the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from the one and only true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, one of our favorite hymns to sing at this time of year throughout the Christmas season is, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I know you guys love it most because that's the name of your church, and that's the only reason you sing it, so it's great. Hopefully you guys know Emmanuel means God with us. And we love that word, Emmanuel, God with us. How wonderful. That's what we desire for God to be with us, for God to come and to dwell with us in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, we're cut off from him by the curse of our sin. Sin separates. Adam and Eve getting kicked out of the Garden of Eden could no longer walk with God because of sin. We can no longer dwell with God because of our sinful nature. So we're in exile here in this world. We're away from the one who is our true home. We pray often to be delivered from the isolation, the emptiness of life that is apart from him and his gifts. Our entire goal, our hope as Christians, is to be restored to that perfect communion, that fellowship with God. Advent reminds us that our God is one who does come to be with us. But Christ didn't first appear at Christmas, did he? That wasn't the first time he made his appearance, is it? Is that the first time we ever learned about the second person of the Trinity? Is that the first time that he ever made his appearance known? You guys know from last week that's not true. He appeared in a burning bush to Moses. Isn't that correct? But I think many Christians nowadays are tempted to think the Son of God really he wasn't doing much before the incarnation, before his conception in the womb of the Virgin Mary. They didn't really come onto the scene until the New Testament. Like he was just sitting up in heaven, waiting his time, going, is it now? Now, God? No. Father, can I go now? Oh, man, I'm so bored up here doing nothing. Twiddling his thumbs, just waiting for the right time. Sometimes we do think that, that Jesus was just kind of somewhere waiting some Christians began to say that Jesus didn't even exist until he came into the womb of the Virgin Mary, that he was a created being, not God himself. 
Tomorrow we celebrate St. Nicholas Day. St. Nicholas took such offense at the man who started preaching that in the church, that heresy, a man named Arius, that he actually hauled off and decked him. Yeah, there at the Council of Nicaea. St. Nicholas got sick and tired of hearing Arius talk about Jesus this way. Said he knew that was not what the scriptures taught. And so instead of arguing with him as a good Christian did, instead of loving him, you know, and gently explaining things to him, and instead of hearing him out and trying to talk him out, he got so sick and tired of it, he just stood up and put him down. And that's it. Took him outside, finished the argument, and was promptly jailed. You guys can read the rest of that story tomorrow if you want about St. Nicholas. But it's not true that Jesus was doing nothing. It's not true that Jesus was just hanging out. It's not true that Jesus was not created yet. Jesus is in the Old Testament time and time again, but that seems quite foreign to us. In fact, the Son of God, though, has been intimately involved with his people from the very beginning of time. The scriptures say that all things were created through the one who is the Word. And Christ, the Son of God, he appeared to his chosen people in what we call a pre-incarnate form before he took on flesh. He appeared to his people many times in the Old Testament. At the bidding of his heavenly Father, the Son of God descended this earth at various times to be with his people Israel, to speak his word to them, to guide them, to deliver them from their enemies. All of this was a precursor to the time when Christ would descend to this earth in the ultimate way, taking on our very body and soul, becoming the eternal Savior of mankind. As I said last week, we talked about how Christ came down to earth and appeared to Moses in the burning bush to announce the release of the Israelites from their slavery to Egyptians. Well, in today's Old Testament reading, we move the story forward about 37 chapters. And we see now that he encounters the Israelites again after they're freed, as they traveled in the wilderness. We learn how God was present with his people in the form of a cloud that filled and even covered the tabernacle. That tabernacle, it was like a mobile temple. It was a large tent for the worship that the Lord had prescribed. Within that tabernacle, there was the most holy place hidden behind a curtain. There, the ark of God was located. The ark contained the two stone tablets of the testimony which God had given to Moses. It was on the mercy seat where the Lord was present to meet with his people through the blood of the sacrifices. So even as God was present in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, so too was he present among his people as a cloud in this tabernacle, a cloud that had the appearance of fire by night. And when the cloud, and a cloud by day, when the cloud rose above the tabernacle, the Israelites knew it's time. It's time to pack up our tents, get everything ready, because we're going to be on the move again. And so this cloud would rise up, wait for everyone to pack all their stuff up to get back in line. Remember, you got 12 tribes, you got like a million plus people, it takes a long time. You rise up, and then they would travel again. When that cloud remained on the tabernacle, they would stay where they were. This presence of the Lord in the wilderness was none other than the Son of God, Christ, our Savior, as we'll see more clearly in just a moment. We heard in the reading from John's gospel that 
no one has ever seen God, but that Christ, the only begotten Son of God, has revealed him. This cloud then was the revelation of God and his Son. It was the real presence of Christ. It was the Creator entering into creation for the sake of his people to lead them to the promised land. It was a living prophecy of how the heavenly and the earthly would come together in a more permanent and enduring way, which happened in the conception of Jesus in his birth at Bethlehem. The Apostle John teaches us in those very important words from John 1, 14. The Word, that is, the Son of God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt, I want to dwell on that word for just a second if you'll allow me. Dwelt among us. It's actually another form of the word in Greek that we translate as tabernacled or tent, if you like that word better. So we really could translate John's statement this way. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Jesus set up his tent in our midst. For the same Lord who dwelt in a tent that was made of animal skins wandering through the desert has now taken on our human nature, our flesh and blood, body and soul. The glory of the Lord dwells in human skin in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. The tabernacle that Jesus descended to fill was our human body and soul. And he did so not just for a little while, but for all eternity. He saw that clearly when he's on the cross. The tent, the, uh, the curtain between the Holy of Holies and the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This foot-thick curtain, 30 feet tall, when Jesus died, ripped. God no longer dwelt in the temple. He came to dwell in us. You know, in the wilderness, that cloud, as I said, would sometimes would rise out of the tabernacle. But, you know, in Christ, the divine and those human natures, they are eternally joined. So the Son of God is and always will be true man, our brother. The human tabernacle, which he now, inhib which he now inhabits, that's his dwelling place forever. After the resurrection, when he appeared to the disciples, what did he do? Showed him his hands that still had the holes from the crucifixion. Showed him his side to say... Look, it's still me. He was still in the flesh. He ate with them. He drank with them. He walked with them. That's how he will appear to us in heaven, in the flesh. That is his dwelling forever. This helps us explain what Jesus said in John chapter 2. He said, destroy this temple, referring to his human nature, his body, and in three days I will raise it up. They laughed at him, thinking he was talking about the temple they had built out of stone. He said, no, destroy this temple, this body, and I will raise it up in three days. God and man come together forever in Christ so that all of humanity would be raised up to the glory of God. Jesus is himself the glory of God, full of grace and truth for us. This, this is why we love Christmas. It's not just the presents and the lights and the fellowship and the family gathering together and the food, the cookies and all that. We love that too. But this is why Christmas is such a joyous time for us. It celebrates this very real reality. Because though we had separated ourselves from God, we had cut ourselves off from his life through our sin. In his incarnation, Christ 
crossed that canyon that we had created. He bridged the gap between heaven and earth. He brought us back to God. Through the human nature of Christ, we've been reconciled to our heavenly Father. God and man literally reunited in Jesus. And so now we have access once again to heaven, to our heavenly Father, by his holy name the human and the divine, one in Christ. And so through faith in him, we've been made one with God. We've been restored to this holy fellowship. That is the glory of Christmas. Now we see this fellowship foreshadowed in the cloud that descended on the tabernacle in the wilderness as a foreshadowing of that which was to come. Do you know clouds are often connected with Christ in the New Testament as well? Jesus revealed his glory to the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. A cloud came and enveloped them when Jesus ascended into heaven. It was a cloud that hid them from the disciples' sight. And clouds are made of what? Water. It's through the water that Christ is present for us in baptism to make our bodies his temple. The tabernacle of his spirit now dwells with us. It's also written that Jesus will come in the clouds with great power and glory to bring the redemption of his people to fulfillment. You see, in Revelation chapter 21, It describes the fulfillment of our Advent hope to come on the last day. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. No more isolation, no more exile. We will experience the fulfillment of the Lord's name, Emmanuel, God with us. Therefore, as we prepare in this Advent season, both for Christmas, as we celebrate his coming, we also prepare and celebrate for his second coming as he returns. Just like we had in this little joke, like Lord of the Rings, where they say, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And Aragorn says, Emmanuel has already come. Oh, we've had one coming, yes. But what about the second coming? Oh, I love that part. I haven't even had one breakfast yet. I need a second breakfast still. We've had one coming of Emmanuel, yes. But what about his second coming? We prepare and we wait for that. So let us be like the children of Israel, traveling with the cloud of the tabernacle, God going with us. Let us faithfully and patiently follow our Lord Jesus across the wilderness of this fallen world, through the grave, and into the resurrection and the promised land of the world to come. O come, O come, Emmanuel. In his name we travel and give thanks and praise. Amen. A few announcements. This is our last Sunday for our children to practice for the Christmas program, and so they'll be coming down here after church. Uh, I've asked David, so Jody, I've asked David to kind of figure out AV with you guys, what will be needed, microphones, all that stuff. So he'll be coming down with that also. So next Sunday, our children's Christmas program will be here at church in the service. We'll start off with a shortened service, the word, the, the sermon. We'll have the Lord's Supper. We'll go right into the children's message, the church uh, program. And so we also then have out there on the Welcome Center some sign-up sheets that I see Mr. Martin bringing them in. 
And, and that's kind of always scary when Mr. Martin's just walking in, bringing stuff up. What's all this about, Pastor? Well, it's supposed to be out there so they can sign up for stuff. I mean, there's all these different uh, small groups to sign up for starting in January. So should we have them come up now and sign up? No, not up here, Jeff. Come on, Jeff. You know better than that. No, there's pens and pencils out there on the Welcome Center oh, as they exit. So there's. So we're going to explain it to people out there. Yeah, yeah, that'll be well, good. No names on here yet. No names on there yet. What are you talking? There's no names on here yet, guys. Then you see it on your way in. Oh, there's lots of stuff. There's men's life. Men's thing. We got family life. You got men's, family, married, women's life. You got Sunday school, adult Sunday school. Pick up a yellow sheet and enroll for adult. I got to order material, you know. You can't just show up and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not God. I can't just, boom, let there be books books. Oh, and we need leaders too? Oh man, yeah, we need leaders. People, you know, you don't have to do the whole thing. You just got to be there and make sure everyone has their material. You take down prayer requests. You pass it along to Pastor Mark. How's things are going? You know, maybe you have a connector in the group that helps with food and stuff, finding a place. It's not that hard. You're not leading the class. You're just making sure the class is going. That's so we all. don't know something? Do we just make it up? Of course, Jeff. You always make stuff up. No, that's why he's not allowed to lead. No. Okay. Anything you guys don't know in a small group, you bring the pastor. It's what the facilitator does. Like, you know, I'm not sure about that. Let me write it down, and I'll ask pastor, and I'll tell you guys next time we meet. All right. Well, I guess I'll put this back out there. Would you please? I'll do that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for bringing that to our attention. I, I appreciate that. <laughs>